Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that he has in store for you. Good morning, Crossroads. Good morning, and to all of you who are joining us online, and again, the few of us, the few of you who are sitting with us this morning, I hope, I really, really hope that you're doing well during this shifting dynamic that we're all navigating through right now. And as has been said a number of times already this morning, I want you to be reminded right now that the one who is supreme in authority over all things, is absolutely in control. Maybe he's even using this moment to say it's time for us to do a gut check, to check how we're living in relationship with him, to check truly our sense of trust in him, to check on our level of believing that he really is in control and that he favors you and I. Trust me. When I tell you that I am fully aware of the range of concern and emotion washing over the globe this week, I'm really hopeful that what our Father has laid on my heart to share moves us all past the uncertainty of the moment and into relief, celebration, and even, and I hope that the reason to celebrate becomes clearer as we go through the talk this morning. I pray that He washes over us a spirit of expectation, excitement, and a posture of faithfulness about living as his and living in him. I was out and about the first half of the day on Friday, and I got to tell you, I did not like the way it felt at all. Stores were crowded. People seemed on edge, desperate. I started to get agitated, not because people were buying up all the toilet paper, but because I felt this sense of real panic coming from those around me. 
I didn't hear laughter. I saw very few smiles. And all I could think is, what in the world? Now, my family and I are living in the midst of the coronavirus just a tad. As a matter of fact, I moved out of the house a few days ago because my I do daughter returned from a trip to Europe on Thursday. So far, so good. Following the suggestions of health officials, she is on lockdown at home for 14 days, as is my wife who picked her up from the airport. And so with the thought that we limit possible exposure, I have been only home to drop supplies at the front door. So I get it. But it dawned on me even more clearly why especially for the body of Christ and hopefully for those on the way to becoming a part of the body of Christ, that having this conversation about his presence, you've heard that word a lot this morning and you'll hear it a lot during this talk, but having a conversation about his presence and how his presence should impact our perspective of prayer could not have been more timely. What I believe God's placed on my heart really pushed me out of cozying up with the panic and brought me a peace, a sense of, hey, I don't. We who have asked him into our lives as Savior don't have to walk, should not be walking through this current or any other crisis, stressed out, filled with a spirit of fear, hopeless, or worrying. Because why? We are his. And he is literally present with us. We are his. And he is literally present with us. There is something about being in someone's presence, even more about being aware of someone's presence. Awareness or the lack of it impacts maybe beyond what we recognize, how we act, how we present ourselves, our comfort level, our vibe, so to speak. Even our sense of confidence, our boldness can be impacted by our awareness of the presence of a particular person or entity. You guys remember when you were a kid in school, right? Your awareness of your teacher, the cool one, the stern one, the real one, the substitute one, always made a difference in how we conducted ourselves. I know most of us were model students, always on task, so, but we saw how other people behave, right, in that presence or lack of it. How about we as parents? When we're aware of the kids being in the room, there are certain things we will say or not say, do or not do, based on our awareness of their presence and maybe our mood, right? How about when the police officer shows up in the flow of traffic? How about when the boss comes into the room? When that girl or guy you got a crush on or maybe your husband or your wife shows up in the space, there is something about presence, our awareness of presence that impacts our thought processes, how we engage the world around us. And just keeping it real, even when that someone you just can't stand shows up in the room or leaves the room, there's just something about presence. Presence, the word defined, the state 
or fact of something or someone existing, occurring, being in a place. The fact that someone or something is at hand. Now, for we as believers, we've heard that at hand phrase before. Think the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is present. The face of heaven is at hand. When we think about presence in the context of our God, Jesus, Holy Spirit experience, too often, church, we're doubting when we need him, or we're uncomfortable about it when we're in our sin place, seeing Jesus as the heavy, gonna catch us, being displeased with us. But I'm hoping this morning to bring a fuller perspective that causes us to see something worth celebrating, something more rewarding, something worth getting excited about, a more complete perspective that compels us to a sense of constant awareness of his presence that shifts our prayer mindset because now we understand even more regarding the Father's presence. We live between that uncomfortable tension of trusting our experience or trusting the word. Choosing to believe or walk with the word as the dominant voice or choosing human experience. It's easy to be led by human experience because we walk in human form, in human response. But as believers, the Christ, in Christ, we're being called to defy, defy flesh-driven response in our physical, our mental, our intellectual, and our emotional. As believers in Christ, we're being stretched to walk in our identity as seasoned citizens of heaven, as Jesus people, pulled out of the world, new, saved, being transformed into our Jesus identity. And in all truth, as Christ followers, as disciples of Christ, we are called to trust the word over our experience every time. For instance, from time to time, we hear worship leaders make the expression, and I've done it myself, can you feel his presence? Or even we in our conversation about the worship experience we've been in. God was so present today. He was in the room. I could just feel him. If we believe the scriptures, though, despite our sense of feeling, despite our experience, he is present. He is occurring. He is existing. He is near. He is at hand. Wherever the believer in Christ is, whether we tingle or not, he is present. There comes a time when our experience needs to catch up with Scripture. An accurate understanding of the Scriptures needs to dictate how we think, how we respond, and what we allow ourselves to believe. We need to not allow our thoughts of the Christ being with us to be based on kind of, sort of, he's in the vapor, deep and mystical, and take the thought of his presence literally, seriously. When he says in Matthew 28, I am with you always, Satan would have you to think of those words as pie in the sky, from a distance, like Allstate, you are in good hands. Or Carfax, 
we've got you covered. Something, though, that emanates from a distant place. But instead, as believers of Christ, in faith, not out of feeling, not out of seeing, we need to literally internalize, based on his word, that he is within us, that he is right by our side, that he is in this very room. It's kind of like the poem Footprints. If you don't know the poem, one night a man had a dream, and he dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. And as he walked with the Lord along the beach, there was a flash of light across the sky, and he began to see these scenes of his life. And with each, each scene, he noticed two, two sets of footprints. But there became a point when he would look back and he would only see one set of footprints. He noticed that that one set of footprints always seemed to happen at his lowest and saddest moments in his life. This really bothered him. And he got bold and he questioned the Lord and he said, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand. Why, when I needed you most, would you leave me? And the Lord says, my son, my precious child, I love you, and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. God was present. He never left the man's side. The challenge for the character in the poem and for us as believers is gaining a deeply held but bubbling at the surface sense, a mind made up that defies our flesh, our circumstances, and agrees with heaven that the Lord is present. With great awareness, we need to walk as believers like we do when we trust that the chair that just met us is going to hold us. Now, times 100, have an abiding in him kind of faith that the God we've said yes to, the God who knew us well before we were in our mother's womb, is beyond a shadow of a doubt present. So if we can tr trust the chair that's going to hold us, the chair that just met our bottoms, can't we absolutely trust the Father who knew us before we were in our mother's womb by his word that I am with you, I am present? Whether we believe or are aware of his presence has no bearing on him actually being present. I'll say that again. Whether we believe or are aware of his presence has no bearing on him actually being present because he's faithful to his word. But our awareness of his presence needs to be raised and should absolutely have a heart and mind-altering impact on us. Sometimes you've heard the old school way of, the, of putting this, right? Sometimes the best perspective truly is the word says it, I believe it, and that settles it. He is present. His word says he is present. It's time for the body of Christ to believe and agree that he is present. Doesn't have anything to do with how I feel or my tingle. He is present. Doesn't have anything to do with my circumstances. He is present. 
Revelations 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of testimony. So this morning, let's overcome doubt about his presence. Let's recognize our constant access to him. Let's become consistently aware of his presence with a look at some testimony. From the Old Testament, Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. In their day, Adam and Eve had come to know the sound of his presence. They could distinguish his sound from that of any other creature that was present in the garden. Now, in order to do that, he must have been a consistent presence in the garden for them to become familiar with the sound of his presence. Yet, they thought that they could deny his presence, not believe he was there by hiding. Now, it's funny how sin can cause us to lose awareness of his presence. Enoch, Adam's great-great-great-great-grandson and Noah's great-grandfather, the father of Methuselah, the longest living man. In Genesis 5.22, the word says, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Now, let me ask you this. Who in their sound mind walks with an absent friend for 300 years. Enoch must have believed, he must have agreed with the word that his God was not a friend in the distance, but a God whose presence he recognized literally. And since these words are captured in Genesis, the writer of Genesis, there must have been a testimony about Enoch that said, that Enoch fellow, he walks in full faith And he clearly believes that God is at hand. Maybe Enoch was one of those guys who publicly lived like this. God said, or God did, or God led me, or God blessed me, or God kept me, God helped me. He walks with me, he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. That must have been Enoch's testimony for it to get captured by the writer to say this was Enoch. A man who walked in confidence, faithfully, for 300 years that God was present. David, in Psalm 23 and Psalm 121, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I can hear you guys all say the rest of it with me. For you are, that was way too quiet. For you are with me, David says. Psalm 121, God is my keeper. That's a long-term term, right? Keeper, holding it forever. He will never forget nor ignore me. He will never slumber nor sleep. He is the guardian God, again, believers, for his people. Jehovah himself will watch over you. He's always at your side to shelter you safely in his presence. He's protecting you from danger both day and night, 24-7. He will keep you from every form of evil as he continually watches over you. 
You will be guarded by God himself. You will be safe when you leave your home, and safely you will return. He will protect you now, and he'll protect you forevermore. Sounds like literally a very present God. Now, there are a number of other Old Testament characters whose stories testify of God's presence in everyday life, the battles and the blessings like Jeremiah and Gideon. But I want to drive us to the, to, to the New Testament by jumping off from the Old. In the book of Isaiah, we find the kingdoms that would eventually be a united Israel. We have Israel as the northern kingdom. We have Judah as the southern kingdom, falling into moral and spiritual decline destined for judgment. Isaiah, whose name means salvation, warning of the consequences, calling the people to correction. But while he's calling them to correction, he's also laying a foundation of hope and promise for, again, believers, for the faithful remnant of God's people. Isaiah is crying out a desperate prayer of restoration on behalf of Judah and Israel. And it is a prayer arguably of great consequence and foreshadowing. In Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 2, he says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. Oh, that you would rip open the heavens and descend. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens. If only you would tear open the heavenly realm and come down. And then what happens in the New Testament? Jesus is on the scene. He's just been baptized. And as he is raised up from the water, the scripture says, at that moment, heaven was opened. The heavens were seen parting. They were split apart. They were torn open. Schizo uranos is the Greek term for this tearing open of heaven. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. Heaven is open, people. And Jesus declares after the temptation experience, his first words of his ministry, the kingdom of heaven the face of God is at hand, is present, is near. Nowhere have I read that heaven closes or that he is no longer present. I read again and again of believer after believer, Ezekiel, Stephen, John, looking up and seeing heaven opened, being made aware of heaven being opened. The face of God is present, is near us, is with us. And open heaven is where there's a nearness of heaven to earth. There's a sense of God's presence. And with an awareness of God's presence, we don't have to be influenced by the spirit of the day. With an awareness of God's presence, we don't have to be influenced by a spirit that seems to have dominance in a certain area or in a certain moment. If you and I live with a continual awareness of the darkness that exists over the city, over our circumstances, 
we will eventually interpret that darkness as a darkness that's over us. But what would it be like if we woke up every morning, if right now, with our awareness of his presence, of our confidence of his presence, it's not imaginary, it's not from a distance, but over us, within us by his spirit, it could change, it should change our focus. It should change our mindset to recognize that as I'm walking, heaven is open over me. As I'm talking, Jesus is with me. The Spirit is within me. I have access to all things of the heavenly realm because as his, and you got to be his to have this access, you got to be abiding in him to even recognize it. But imagine the way that should impact our hearts, minds, the way we respond to the world because we are aware of his presence. We get to partner with Emmanuel, God, who is with us because of this open heaven and his presence. In his presence, chains are broken. Faith diminishes fear. We're moved past offense, past brokenness, towards victory, and away from the burden and perspective of our flesh. When we have a shift in our knowledge, our awareness and what we have in a present God already, we can literally take him at his word that he's present. And it changes everything for us personally, and it should change everything for us from our perspective as disciples of the Father of Heaven. Now, as Jesus was preparing the disciples for his crucifixion, he informs us that one of the same spirit, the same substance, will be sent. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 26. And I'm going to read these scriptures, and I don't really need to say anything else about them because it's pretty self-explanatory. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. He will give you another, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. You will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside you. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. My Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. When the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name and he will inspire you to remember you. He will make you aware that I've told you. Think about this. The one who comes, this friend like him, will never leave you. And we could ask this question. What if I'm in a state of messing, of missing the mark, of just messing life up, sinning all over the place, in a season of just not getting it right? Check out Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 through 31. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What that means is, A, the Spirit's not leaving you. You might grieve it, and the Word tells us, don't. Don't make the Spirit sad. The Spirit that's within you, the Spirit that resides in you, the Spirit that's present, don't grieve that Spirit. And as a matter of fact, if by chance you're struggling in a sin place, 
fall on your knees. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask him to fill you yet again with his spirit. Rush to abide with him, to study the word. Let him transform you and bring you back into alignment. But know this, the spirit hasn't left you. And so even when we're missing the mark, we're not separated. Preferably, the spirit who does not leave will convict you and you'll listen and realign yourself. But he's not going anywhere. You might bury your awareness of him, but walk back into faithfulness. There is a movie called School Days. And near the end of the movie, one of the characters is running across the college campus saying, Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! It's almost a little bit irritating by the end of it because he does it a lot more than that. But he's telling the people to wake up. Folks, I don't know how much more proof, assurance, the Father can give us. It's on us, even when we don't feel his presence, to walk in faith, belief, awareness. And to do otherwise is to believe a lie. To do otherwise is to be okay with the counsel of the enemy. So we need to trust the word, internalize it, let it bubble from the surface to the surface from a deep place continually, constantly. He's present. He's present. He's with me. He's with me. He's present. He's present. Now let me say this. It's not to say that being present with God creates this cocoon where we won't be challenged. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus had to take certain detours to avoid Herod's wrath. But who was present with them? Who showed up in dreams and said, you've got to move. I'm giving you direction. I'm leading you to the next place. He was guiding them to safety and to the other side of Herod's storm. So though your path may come up against hard places, the God who is madly in love with you is able has a plan and is present now i've got a little quiz for you and as we've as you think about what we've been saying about his presence this morning the songs you've been hearing the word i've tried to bring to you as you answer these questions for those of you here feel free to be audible or just to think about it in your mind but for those of you who are watching online i'm asking you to really really take a moment and answer these questions as we've talked about he is with us so where is he when I'm asleep? Where is he when I'm awake? When I'm having the first thoughts of the day? When I'm having a cup of coffee? When I'm off to the gym? When I'm driving to work or I'm at school? When I'm sitting in a business meeting? When it's lunchtime? At the end of the day? At the grocery store? When I get to the mailbox and there's that bill? When I'm watching TV? When I'm spending time with family? When I'm out with the fellas? When I'm even in the club? when I'm getting ready for bed, when I'm studying the word, when I'm making decisions, when I'm contemplating sin, when I'm dealing with my failure, when things go bad, when things are good, when corona comes, hallelujah, he is present. Amen. It's time for believers of Christ to live our lives in the awareness, the constant awareness of his presence and in defiance of fleshly response. If your answers to those questions were with me, you just passed the awareness test. Now, you're probably going, he's walked through all of this about his presence, but what does this have to do 
with exponential prayer. The end result of that awareness of his presence is that you walk in hope, you walk in comfort, you walk in assurance, and as a disciple of Christ, in power, in boldness, in excitement, with expectation. When you hear the words, let us pray, your recognition that he is present should be you're being invited to sit with the one who is right there waiting for you. One last very exciting piece I think is crucial. The one who is present will even help you to pray. And this can be a part of your personal arsenal, but even more a tool for the disciple to use on behalf of others. In Romans chapter 8, 26 through 28, I'm going to use, read two versions from both the message and the Passion Translation. It reads like this. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our condition, and keeps us present before God. And then from the Passion Version, and in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God the Father with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So this is where I've wanted to get all morning. Now that we're convinced that he is fully present and that he even helps us to pray as we are, people of Christ, the body of Christ, we, can't, we have work to do. We can't be believers of a present Christ and be absent communicating with him. We can't be uncomfortable about having a conversation with him. We can't be afraid because in fear the enemy wins. Nor can we use this new understood access only for ourselves. As disciples of Christ, agents of realigning creation with him, I want us to work like in the medical profession. What you talking about, Willis? Y'all remember that? I want us to practice. And I pray that this moment of practice sparks a wind of transformation in each of us in the church collectively, but especially in us individually. I pray that it sparks a wind of power and partnering with the Father that impacts us exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Right now, I'm going to ask you to walk in boldness. The book of Ephesians calls us to equip one another. And if the church is going to be a house of prayer and worship, what better time than this moment to practice and sit with the one who is always present. Even more, to sit with him and your brothers and sisters 
who are right beside you. Maybe they are at your kitchen table. Maybe they're sitting with you on the couch. Maybe they're lying in bed with you as you're watching this. But now is the time for us to practice, put to practice knowing that he is present, that he helps us to pray as we ought, and that he is with us. It's kind of like when we first learn to ride a bicycle or drive a car, and we're petri- some, some of us are petrified about learning, and there's someone beside you saying, you got this, you got this. Next thing you know, you're riding a bike like a champ, or you're driving a car like Mario, maybe not Andretti, right? But you're doing it because somebody prodded you and said, step out of fear, don't worry. He is with us. He wants to hear from us. And as he hears from us, he moves, he moves, he moves. So why wouldn't we want to engage in a time of praying for one another? So this morning, as I prepare to close with a prayer, either now or before, either now or after, yeah, either now or after, I want to invite you, please do not walk away from this broadcast. Do not leave the room or your table or your bed without taking a few minutes to go, I'm inviting the God who is present right now to pray with me in the way that I ought. I'm going to sit with my brother or my sister and I'm going to say, hey, you don't have to touch them. You don't have to touch them. Just look to them and go, hey, how can I pray with you this morning? Let us become a people that one of our automatic responses is to recognize that God is present, he's going to help us to pray as we ought, and he desires to hear from his sons and daughters. And let us love one another so much that we can't help but wait and get into the presence of the one who's called us and say, let's pray together. Let's sit at the table with our Savior and have a conversation and trust that he's going to answer us. We are, for the most part, always aware that we are awake. I pray that in our wakefulness, we who believe will also have a deep conviction that bubbles to the surface that he is present with us always and that we practice an abiding in him, a clinging to him as closely and as faithful to the one who never leaves us. Church, he's calling us to more. He's calling us to more. The circumstances around us demand we make the connection and that fear be a liar and that our time with the Father be clear and true and trusting from our waking to our sleeping that he is present. So I encourage you to pray. I'm going to ask the folks who are here after I'm done, let's pray together before you walk out of here. But for those of you again who are watching the broadcast, do not, do not move from this moment without inviting the Father one who is present with you to guide you in prayer over yourself, over circumstances, over folks who are ill with corona, over the nation's response, over our leaders, over your family and their circumstances, whatever the case may be. And when you finish, before you say amen, let there be a collective thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. We give you praise for being faithful and present with us. So Father, in your holy name, in this sweet moment of prayer, we invite you, Father, to stir in our hearts and understanding and acceptance, a grabbing a hold of everything that we've heard tonight, this morning, and the trust that you're present. We pray in the name of Jesus of Nazareth that your spirit would help us to pray as we are. We pray that if there are folks who are listening tonight, that, that this morning, who haven't even said yes to relationship with you, our prayer in Jesus' name 
is that they recognize, I want some of that presence, and that it compels them to say, God, I want to trust you. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, that you died on a cross, you rose from the dead, and that you are the God who is standing on my behalf. In the name of Jesus, we ask forgiveness for our sins. We invite your spirit to fill us, God, and we ask for the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. We pray, God, that you move on folks in the midst of us to say yes to you and that you fill us all with your spirit that we be reminded that you're present and you help us to pray as we are. Lord, cover every church. Cover the church of heaven this morning in your presence. Give us a confidence about the way we should go. Speak clearly to us, God, as we navigate through this crisis with the nation. Let us be a people on our knees, trusting that you're with us. But we pray in your holy name that, God, you would move in the midst of our prayers and that, God, you would light a fire in us that causes us never to consider that we won't pray, but that we will always pray and that we will always trust that you are present. We love you, God. We give you praise, and we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.